With the waters of Buzzards Bay lapping on the shore nearby, RPM News Weekly presents Rick's Tech Talk. Here in the RPM studio, I've got Cousin Rick on the line in Needham, Massachusetts. Good afternoon, Cousin Rick. Good afternoon, Rich. How are you today? Is it cold enough for you? Oh, it's just too cold for everyone. I imagine Needham is having the same weather or something similar to what we're having down here on the shores of Buzzards Bay. That's right. Are, are the waves still lapping or are they frozen? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, some of those uh, little inlets and everything, you can see all the layers of ice. Well, it's, it's New England. What do you expect? It's New England and it's winter. And let, let's uh, actually, the, the ride of the week is uh, very good for New England. And that's what I found out in the recent snowstorm. And let's, let's get to it. The ride of the week is the 2024 Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid vehicle. Okay, that sounds like a nice car. Yep, it's got twin electric motors, and it's uh, that uh, with the two-liter internal combustion engine gives you a 2.4-liter, sorry, internal combustion engine produces a combined 248 horsepower. Now, for uh, that results in EPA numbers of 64 miles per gallon. Uh, MPGE and on gasoline only it uh, it's 26 miles per gallon but uh, you get the 64 MPGE because it's a hybrid okay and the all-electric range is 38 miles decent enough for a PHEV right and it, it's seat seven so it's a full-size SUV and I appreciated, uh, had a, I had a chance to check out the anti-lock braking system because the roads were slippery. And it's almost as if you didn't have slippery roads, the efficiency of the braking systems. Some of the other features we had, it, uh, it seats seven and it's got three zone heating, which is nice. It's got several driving modes that you can select for uh, normal power eco a mode they call tarmac and gravel, snow, and mud. So you can uh, really go off-road with this. Yeah, that covers almost all of those terrains that you like to encounter. Right. Plus, you can put it in, being a hybrid, you can, a plug-in hybrid, you can put it in the all-electric mode if you want for driving around town and saving uh, gasoline, saving uh, fuel. I also appreciated the front wiper de-icer. We had uh, snow that turned to rain and it all iced up on the vehicle. But uh, once I started the car and cleared the, cleared the ice, it was very efficient. Also, it has power folding side mirrors, which uh, help in uh, keeping the snow off the mirrors. They're automatic. Whenever you shut the car, it folds the mirrors. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you had quite the worthy winter vehicle there yes and uh let's see to get into what the cost of the vehicle the basic msrp was forty six thousand two hundred and ninety five dollars but we had options that included a head-up display a bose premium sound system with nine speakers and driver and passenger 
massage chair functions. Sweet. Which on a long trip, I appreciate. I bet. Although when I first got in the car, somebody must have set the function that it, the massage function came on right away. It was a little disconcerting. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, surprising. <laughs> Yeah, with with the with the options and transportation, the total MSRP was fifty one thousand eight hundred and thirty five dollars. Okay, and that's this week's ride of the week. So overall, did you find the vehicle comfortable and and easy to handle? Um, I mean, I know you've mentioned about how it handled on ice, uh, but in general, uh, did you feel it was a a really comfortable vehicle? Oh yeah, Mitsubishi. Uh, is always good value for the money. You get a, a a nice car, nice interior, and it's not all that expensive. And oh, one other one other quick note: it has both the USB A and C in front and second row seating, so uh, you can stay connected wherever you sit. So uh, this vehicle is uh, uh, seeming to sound like it would be the flagship model for the Mitsubishi lineup. Well, for for SUVs, I would say so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to drive around with other passengers? Did they make any comments about how much they liked uh, or otherwise? No, I was on my own in this one, but it also came in red diamond paint, which uh, you know it's a nice, uh, nice striking color, metallic red. I bet. Come around and be seen with that. So. Uh, I understand that uh, you had another vehicle that uh, we don't want to overlook. Well, it could be called the ride of the previous week. We, <laughs> it was uh, just a, a quick summary. It was the Toyota Corolla Cross hybrid vehicle. Now, this is Toyota's small SUV, which they the Corolla was told Toyota's small car, but they decided to make a Corolla SUV. So it's a really small SUV, it came in an acetic blast paint. It's called acetic blast, which is kind of a yellowish green metallic. But being a hybrid, it gets 40 miles per gallon city and 38 highway, a combined number of 42. It even came with a JBL nine speaker premium audio system and adaptive headlights, which move with the steering wheel, which is nice going around curves at night. I know they're two different vehicles, one being a smaller SUV-like, one being a much larger family-style three-row SUV. Right. Um, but uh, you know, just sort of, in a nutshell, putting them head-to-head, uh, which one would you prefer to be driving? Well, with a person of my age, I like the little more luxury that was in the Mitsubishi SUV, the Outlander, mm-hmm. that... Uh, because it was the SEL version. So you had a little more luxury, but if I were, uh, you know, if I didn't want to spend as much, I would, uh, you know, consider the Corolla, the Corolla Cross. It also comes standard with the radar cruise control, adaptive cruise control. Mm-hmm. Okay. And wireless smart charging. A lot of nice tech features there. Right. Uh, the only negative with the car, I thought it was a little bit noisy on the highways from the tire noise, but that's what you usually get in a smaller car. The 
the base price on the Corolla Cross was 31,000 with options and delivery it was 35,580, which is well below the average price of a new car these days, which is in the mid to high $40,000 range. So that's our rides of the week. Okay. Ride of the week. I like the ride of the previous week. Uh, that's an interesting feature. Um, so what else have you got for us this week? Okay. Hey, our uh, buddies at iccars.com have come up with a new study again. Okay. And it's the 20, they've come up with the, the 25 best new cars for the money. Now, it all depends on what you mean by best. And what they did is they analyze the cars that give you the longest life, the longest mileage you can expect for the lowest price. And they, they analyze the prices of over 8.3 million new cars sold between September and December of last year. And the odometer readings of over 181,081 million used cars from the IC Cars Longest Lasting Cars Study to determine the rankings of the best new cars for the money. And uh, we'll just go over, say, the top 10, and you might see the trend here. Okay. Number one was the Mitsubishi Mirage. Then we went to the Toyota Corolla, Subaru Impreza, Honda Accord, Honda Civic, Toyota Camry, Nissan Versa, Honda CRV, Mazda, Mazda 3, and then 10th was the Toyota Prius. So I think you see the trend here is that uh, the Japanese uh, manufacturers noted for reliability and long life come out uh, in the top 10 as far as uh, the pr uh, they evaluated the price per 10,000 miles. And the Mitsubishi Mirage was uh, eleven hundred dollars for a uh, thousand miles of expected life. Well, you know, it's an interesting way that they're parsing the data. Uh, I think most folks would wonder that the Mitsubishi Mirage was at the top of the list. It's uh, certainly a, the the most economical um, vehicle when you take a look at pricing. Um, I mean, right. you, can, you can probably still get that vehicle brand new for under $20,000. A lot of sacrifices to go uh, that low on the pricing scale. Right. Um, so the question right. of how they've determined value is, is interesting because it would really favor cars that are exceedingly low priced um, considering that most cars will, will get you a pretty good, get, get you pretty well over 100,000 miles uh, these days. Um, so it's kind of an interesting way in which they've evaluated. Right. And I'm sure they'll they'll parse the data another way in the next week or two. That, well, uh, you know, that basically they're looking at the cars with the longest life for the cheapest price. Sure. And that that's the kind of uh, driver that just wants four wheels to get around and doesn't want to have to buy a new car you know, right. that often. Yeah, and you'd be sacrificing, too, in some cases, uh, you know, with in terms of handling and just overall general comfort with the right. vehicle. Other things, like I mentioned in our ride of the week, uh, you know, road noise, uh, things like that, that, uh, you know, you begin to 
put them lower on your list if you're looking for just straight out overall value. Um, right. Plus, if you want to go on a long trip, you want a little more uh, amenities in the car. Seems like that's the case as you uh, move past your 20s and 30s. Uh, the, the amenities become more valuable. <laughs> that's right. Like massaging seats. <laughs> sure. Um, well, interesting study, that's for sure. Um, not surprising some of the cars that uh, that you find on the list. Uh, you know, as you were pointing out, uh, the reliability of uh, some of the makes and models uh, from uh, Asia have, uh, uh, or at least from Asian companies, I should say. Uh, right. Some of those are actually uh, parts, or at least were are made in the United States, so are assembled in the United States. Also, the study breaks down uh, the cars or the vehicles by segment from trucks, to SUVs, full-size cars, etc. So you can, uh, you know, look at that and see which ones are the best so-called, the way they parse value this way for each class. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that to us. So you've been digging deep into, the, into your tech research. What else have you found for us this week? Well, we all talk about electric cars, right? And the plug-in hybrids. And uh, But news from the Consumer Electronics Show out in Las Vegas are electric outboard motors from uh, Mercury. They've introduced uh, two new, they, they introduced some electric outboards last year. They introduced two new ones this year, the, uh, the 75E and the 110E, they call it. And the, the first one puts out 10 horsepower, and the second one puts out 15. Now, obviously, with those horsepower numbers, these are for, say, uh, you know, bass fishermen, small small boats, pontoon boats, uh, you know, small craft like that on, on lakes and in places where you're not allowed to have combustion outboard motors they uh, these would be like uh, you know like i said pontoon boats aluminum fishing boats inflatables and uh, small fiberglass runabouts they say are the batteries integrated into the unit that you're attaching to the uh, boat you can have uh, batteries let's see i'm looking through the notes here the battery packs they come you can you can change out the battery packs and uh, let's see the specs they give here in the notes i have if you run them full out on full power it'll last about an hour but if you throttle back to about 75 percent you get about two to three hours they you can take uh carrying extra batteries to swap out the battery packs on the water okay so it's interesting that your big, you know, diesel-powered boats are not, uh, you don't have electric powertrains for those yet because, uh, you know, those are like seagoing boats. These are more like uh, for calmer waters and uh, small, uh, you know, freshwater rivers, et cetera. Okay, yeah, I can see that. You know, when you think about some of the battery packs that they'll have in uh, garden tools like a weed whacker. Uh, you know that'll go, get you uh, yep. to clean up your most most of your garden. If you're going out fishing, you don't have to contend with, uh, uh, say, the problems you'd have with a 
an internal combustion outboard every once in a while the thing won't start or you 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 know whatever and then plus the fact you can use this on waters where internal combustion engines aren't allowed you know that there, there were small electric trolling motors before you put on a canoe or something but these are a little little more substantial well that's pretty good i'm glad to see that electrification is working its way into other industries on other parts of the motoring industries all right what's the follow-up to that let's go to uh you know medical technology something new that uh like here in the uh, in the Boston area, new development from Harvard and Boston University is an exoskeleton for Parkinson's patients. And this, uh, some Parkinson's patients, when they walk, all of a sudden they they stop their gait and they freeze up. Now this is a a lower body exoskeleton that, if the sensors in the exoskeleton sense that this has happened, they'll activate a, a cable a actuator that puts a little push or pull onto the the thigh of the patient and will keep them walking so that uh, you don't have the hesitation anymore in, in the walking gait. And so an uh, interesting development there for keeping uh, Parkinson's uh, patients uh, a little more viable and have a little more freedom and not worry that, you know, if they're walking about, they can, uh, they'll end up stopping. They can uh, have more of a normal life if this gets fully developed. And that's fascinating work that they're doing with medical devices that uh, can improve people's lives. It's all... Uh, you know, medical engineering and uh, the fusion of different technology. It's quite a report you've got for us this week. Um, anything else? Or shall we call that a wrap? Well, okay. Well, a couple of months ago, something that might have slipped through the radar, but Virgin Atlantic flew a flight across the Atlantic on what we call sustainable aviation fuel. This is uh, fuel that's uh, processed from biomass and various sources to be carbon neutral, that if a, a plane flies with this source, it's not, there's no net pollution created because the fuel was not derived from fossil fuels. So it's uh, an up and coming technology. Right now, those fuels are very expensive. So they may not be totally economic, economically viable for an airline, but you know, once development goes along, the, the price could come down. And uh, so that was the big news from Virgin Atlantic. But what may not have been noticed before, that that wasn't the first flight across the Atlantic with sustainable aviation fuel. That was done, I believe, early in November with a Gulfstream that flew from Savannah, Georgia, where Gulfstream is headquartered, to Europe on sustainable aviation fuel. So that was really the first flight across the Atlantic on uh, this sustainable fuel. So that I would call that a wrap. Okay. All right. Well, that was good news to hear um, and just more efforts towards sustainability. So it's a wrap. Uh, well, thanks very much, for, Rick, for your reports this week, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. Glad we could get together, Rich. Stay safe and be well. Likewise. 
This has been Rick's Tech Talk here on RPM News Weekly, a regular feature. Go to our website, rpmnewsweekly.com, for more information.